a very good day to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is your Sunday Synthesis podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and of course, Dr. Anton Myberg. It is the second Sunday. This is what we're doing right now. Every second Sunday, we're recording the podcast, and we welcome all of your questions. Thanks for sending them in. We're going to try and keep you updated as much as we possibly can. Dr. Anton Myberg, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, a beautiful Sunday morning, beautiful weather. It hasn't rained for about 30 seconds, so it's actually a fantastic day here. We're doing God quite well, thank God. Just gave us enough time to water the garden, uh, because yes. what we do in Johannesburg, we water our garden the minute it stops raining. Right, but it is a gorgeous morning. How are the numbers looking? So there are currently 394 million cases worldwide with 5.75 million deaths and 330 million cases resolved. The United States has 77 million cases with 925,000 deaths. India, 42 million, thousand, 42 million cases with 502,000 deaths. And the United Kingdom, 17 million cases. South Africa, 3,622,210 cases with 95,817 deaths and 3,357 new cases in the last 24 hours, an 8.9% test positivity rate. Gauteng hospitals are sitting on less than 2,000 patients in hospital. And currently, there are 125 million Omicron infections a day globally. So wow. on a global wow. level, we're not doing that well. But on a current national level, we're doing pretty well. How accurate are our numbers, considering not everybody's reporting, not everybody's even testing? I think that's a, that's a very good question because it brings us to the question of why they've changed the regulations. Mm. So, you know, I think only 10% of people actually do test and uh, the rest of the people aren't testing, hence why we've got such a high load of asymptomatic people without even knowing that they're positive. Right. I, I saw, I think, a number that said that we're around about 70% uh, exposure or 70% of us have had either COVID or vaccine. Can you talk to that? Does that speak to herd immunity? So basically, because of the high rate of infections during the beta and delta waves, and then more so now during the Omicron wave, we believe that there's about a 70% seropositivity rate. In other words, 70% of the population is in some way got antibodies, whether it's through natural infection, whether it's through vaccination. And that's a particularly large number, considering that, uh, you know, what we're looking at compared to the rest of the world, whereas the rest of the world, people are dying at a much higher rate. There's a much higher hospital rate of, uh, of admission and infection and severity, whereas here our rate is much lower. And that's all due to the fact of the seroprevalence and the seropositivity. Does that mean, does that mean effectively that we have herd immunity? So it does and it doesn't, because it doesn't mean that we're protected from a new variant that's coming about at the moment. That's, the, that's a very big worry. You know, we, we can't mm. say that because you've got antibodies from a previous infection that you're going to be protected down the line. But we do know and we can see that because so many people have had exposure and so many people have got antibodies, we're definitely seeing a much lower rate of infection in our country compared to the rest of the world. Does that mean we've moved from pandemic to endemic, which is the goal, right? Look, so, so I think that, that anyone who who can say that this is a predictable disease has lost their marbles because we know one thing about this virus and that mm. we know that it will do anything in order to spread and stay alive. So the actual goal of the virus is not to kill people because that's self-defeatist for the virus. The virus wants to stay alive and move from host to host. Mm. 
In order to call something endemic, it has to be localized to a community or to a single population. Because it's still throughout the world and it's in more multiple communities and multiple sort of population uh, groups, okay. it still is considered as a pandemic at this point. How sick of but I do, I do believe no. we are getting closer to the point of being able to call this an endemic infection. Does that mean that like the flu, we'll see a wave in the Northern Hemisphere in winter, move to the Southern Hemisphere in, in, in our winter, and, and so it continues? Is that what it means when you say it's almost community focused and globally focused? Well, it certainly feels like that. I mean, that's what it feels like now. If you look in the, the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, if you look in the United States, you look in Israel, you look in Europe, mm. the numbers are just dramatically rising. 60,000 new cases in the United Kingdom yesterday, you know, multiple cases all over the world, whereas our cases are very low. It seems and it feels very much more seasonal and endemic at the moment, albeit that it's not yet. Right. And uh, all this talk about a new variant or a sub-variant, what's the difference between a variant and a sub-variant? So a variant is, example, Omicron. That's the variant. Right. Omicron B1 is a variant we've been dealing with. A sub-variant is Omicron B2, which has been subtyped from the, the Omicron variant. And that's definitely not something to get excited about at this moment because it's definitely not a variant of concern. Its numbers are starting to go upwards because the Omicron B1 numbers are going downwards. So it seems like it's more of it proportionally, but actually it's not a variant of concern. So it's nothing to be worried about right here. Is it likely that the people who have had Omicron will at least have some protection against an Omicron subvariant? Hashtag asking for a friend. Well, you know, I think it's all depending on how, how recently that certain friend has had Omicron and <laughs> was it which stage. variant? How, how, how do we know? We don't know. Unless it was genetically subtype, we don't really know which subtype of, of Omicron right. it was. I mean, right. if it was three or four weeks ago, it was most likely uh, the B1 variant. Um, and there should definitely be a large antibody response in that person that will allow them to be far more protected than the general person would be. However, that brings us to another statement, you know, should we be, you know, waiting for a Pfizer vaccine that's only geared towards Omicron? And I don't think so, because there's going to be lots of other variants. So you can't be changing it every two minutes to a different sort of vaccine, rather go with the vaccines that are protective at the moment. There's a lot of discussion around vaccines, booster shots. Are they working? Has it, have they worked in Israel or not? What's the latest on this? The latest is that Two vaccines plus a booster, let's talk about the, the Pfizer um, or the mRNA vaccines, give more than a 96% protection against severe disease and hospitalization. There's no doubt about it that the vaccine plus boosters are dramatically improving the health of people and decreasing the need for hospitalization, decreasing the, the onus on the healthcare workers and decreasing the severity of disease. In fact, we can take it one step further and say, is it better to be vaccinated or is it better to have yeah, natural immunity? Mm. And, and from my point of view is when you've seen people who've been infected and you see the sequelae, the consequences of the natural infection and then then develop natural immunity, you're dealing with long COVID, you're dealing with severe disease, and we can't predict how sick these people will be. Whereas you take it against the fact that someone's been vaccinated without these symptoms, without these side effects, it's a no-brainer that the vaccine is far better than rather getting sick.
it, it, it almost doesn't really, it's almost irrelevant because if you haven't had COVID, then make sure that you've had the vaccine. You get the vaccine because then you double protect no, no. it. It's not, it's not irrelevant because we know that the vaccine is, is, is better from point of view of sickness and long COVID, mm. but there's a definitive trend to saying that if you've had the vaccine and you've had COVID, your immunity is through the roof. There's okay. a far better immunity okay. than just having the vaccine. All right, I get that. But that doesn't mean you should be going out to a COVID party to get COVID, to get Omicron. No, because as, as we know, we, we don't know, you know, we can't predict the severity of the disease. And you can ask anybody with long COVID, it's not a fun disease. Well, it's interesting because a number of questions, um, Kim, uh, a few people have actually sent in these questions to say they, you know, somebody they know, their family had Omicron early December and still now we're in February, can't get rid of a cough. So they might have not been very, very ill, but there are certain things that linger. I know that, that, that a few weeks ago, it's not much. And, you know, every now and then I land up coughing for no, it, it doesn't go away so quickly. Yeah, I think that's a very, very interesting point because we're finding that, that people, and that brings us back to our whole point of whether it's natural immunity versus vaccine yes. immunity, that these things are going to linger. These symptoms, was that a cough for... For purposes, yeah, I but... thought of coughing. You know, I'm a hypochondriac. So I thought of coughing and then I cough. We all do. Yes, I'm These about things life. are going to linger. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> These coughs are going to linger. And you mm. actually do need to see your health professional in order to help with it. There can be um, airway disease, there can be airway inflammation. These are things that are easily treatable and these things that can be helped with, but you do need to see your health professional. Are you available tomorrow? Because, because I think maybe I need a pop off. I've got my hypochondriac booking between 6 and 8 p.m. tomorrow night. <laughs> you know, you really should do that, actually. You should have a hypochondriac slot in the day uh, just to just for some. Is people. that like having a salt room for asthmatics, you know? Exactly right. Exactly. Exactly right. So and, and in terms of the in terms of the, the the vaccines, because there's been a lot of talk about and we've spoken about it, mixing vaccines, Johnson, Pfizer. They still haven't announced anything about it, have they? Okay, so I think we know that the, the Johnson & Johnson is very effective against the Delta and the Beta, especially for hospitalization and death. We know that the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer vaccines, build up your antibodies dramatically, whereas the viral vector vaccines have a much slower uptake of, of antibody buildup, but they've got a a far better or more solid T-cell response. That being said, all the studies show that heterologous vaccines seem to be better than homologous vaccines. In other words, if you've had Pfizer only, that's homologous. If you've had Pfizer plus Johnson & Johnson, heterologous. Unfortunately, though, the SARPRA and the, the government haven't given the go-ahead for that to happen yet, but it seems to be that they're having meetings about in the next four to six weeks, hopefully before the next wave kicks in, they will give the go-ahead for people to have heterologous vaccines. Are we seeing a slowdown in South Africa's reaction time? It certainly seems like that to me. Whereas we were, at one stage, I felt that, that, that we were quite reactive to what was going on around. Now things seem to be almost quite, not lackadaisical, because I think that would be grossly unfair, but quite slow. You know, we've been talking about these things for, for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and we're told, yes, no, we're going to change it, but nothing seems to happen. 
You see, there's a big uh, term in the medical field, it's called vaccine apathy. And mm -hmm. people are becoming very apathetic now. Once you decrease the, the levels or you decrease the restrictions, people feel as if they don't need to do things as much and there's no intensity or no need for this type of protection. Therefore, people are becoming more lackadaisical. People are becoming more apathetic. People are seeing no reason to have themselves vaccinated. Take into account the fact that they haven't given the go-ahead for the 5 to 12-year-olds to have their vaccines yet. Mm -hmm. They're not pushing the 12 to 17-year-olds. There's hundreds of thousands of vaccines that are just sitting, waiting to be given. The government needs to push this. They're not pushing this. They need to push this forwards. Very interesting, because I thought you were not answering the question, but in fact, it, it was an, it, it's a very interesting answer that you gave. And if I'm not mistaken, what you're saying is that given the apathetic approach that, that many people now have, it's actually more important that the health department, the NICD and everybody else involved uh, makes decisions and makes them quickly to to allow people and to encourage people to behave in the right way. Well, even more so because, because of the fact that they've changed the regulations and because asymptomatic people don't have to isolate anymore and because people are so lackadaisical and apathetic with masks and, vaccine, and vaccines, you need to push the vaccines to protect people even more. All right. So let, let's, just, let's just talk about that because I certainly am one of those that have severe mask fatigue. And I know that when, when I'm outdoors with people, my mask does come off. It, it just feels, it just feels as though we are, we're a step behind in what is rational and logical. And I know there's this issue of legal versus, uh, versus what we should be doing. So before we do anything, give us your thoughts on what you think the mask mandate should be today. Because I think that if we, you can guide us from a medical perspective, We'll talk about the law in a minute. Guide us from what you would recommend as a medical perspective. I think that would be helpful for people. So I'm going to give you what I think from my own personal medical perspective, cool. and I want to just describe an analogy to try and explain it and to try and okay. sort of create the scenario. So I firmly believe that if you are wearing proper masks, if you're wearing surgical masks, and ideally these days probably K95 or N95 masks, which would even be better with the change of restrictions, there should be no reason to wear masks outside. That's the law. You still got to wear them. Inside, it's a different story. You should be wearing the masks for now. We still can't get out of that. But outside, we should be allowed to take our masks off. We're not allowed yet, but we'll cover that. So let me paint a picture for you. Let's say me and you go into a room with complete strangers. We don't know if they're vaccinated. We don't know their medical histories. Would it be better if we were, me and you were wearing masks? So from a source control against for an infected person or for respiratory protection answers, definitely yes. But it also depends on how long we're in the room. Is the room adequately ventilated? And can we keep our distance from people if they're not wearing masks? And then you take it up a level. There's another problem. What happens if someone in the room has a sister or a mother who has multiple sclerosis? Now, these people have been vaccinated and they've had their booster but they aren't able to mount an adequate antibody response to the virus despite all these things. Does it now change other people's thinking in the room that they should be wearing masks? And I think we should have said that wearing the masks is actually important in minimizing the risks to ourselves and to others in our small sort of population group. So if we take it up another level, if just me and you are wearing masks in an environment, 
will this have an effect on the population sort of level? And will this be able to modify the transmission of the virus in our entire community if it's the two of us? And that depends, bring it into a whole scenario. Let's say, God forbid, your house catches a light, is on, is on fire, Carnival City, the whole story, okay? I can bring a bucket of water and throw it on the fire to do absolutely nothing. You can come and join me and also bring a bucket of water and throw in the fire. Might help a little bit, but it really won't help much. But if the entire neighborhood comes along and starts throwing water on the fire, we've almost solved the pace, we've solved the problem. And then the word gets out that people need to come help. So more people come and they bring fire extinguishers and other tools, then we've solved the problem. So mask wearing by a few people is not gonna do much good, we know that. But on a population level, the more people that wear it, the more good it will do. So now you'll get your people who oppose you saying, well, you know, there's nothing you could have done to stop the fire or let's invert commas. There's nothing you could have done to stop Omicron from spreading throughout the world. So we go back to our analogy then of this, of this fire. Let's say the fire started at one o'clock and at five o'clock people came with fire extinguishers that wouldn't really help much because by then the damage is done. But if you had a trained environment, the neighborhood was trained in fire prevention and they knew what to do and they knew what tools to bring with them and they arrived at five past one, the fire wouldn't do that much damage. Yes, it'd be a small bit of damage, but there wouldn't be so much devastation. So to all of those who say that masks don't work, that's a blanket statement and there's no evidence that proves that. It's only people who say, stop masking, will say, well, you know, it doesn't help. But by stopping masking, we're giving up the most useful tool together with vaccination in protecting ourselves and those around us. And that's my take on this whole masking issue. Okay, I'm trying to process that. And, and, and I hear everything that you're saying. But so effectively what you're saying is that medically, not legally, we're not talking about what our regulations are. Uh, medically, if people are outside, you are not that opposed to, because there's air, there's ventilation. Obviously, well, there's we have air, there's ventilation, we vaccinated, and right. you social distancing outside. I anyway. mean, if you, if you can social distance outside and you, you're vaccinated and you're outside in the fresh air, you're not opposed to people not wearing a mask. I'm not opposed to it. I'd say medically, not legally. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you would support government changing those regulations. 100%. However, when, when you indoors, given everything that you explained, uh, if all of us were to wear masks indoors, that would help the fire in terms of of not being able to spread not yes. being able to cause so much damage. And this is going to be more pertinent, especially as we go into winter, when we're expecting the next wave, yes. because people gather indoors, people cough, people get sick. That's when we can see a much higher uptake or uptick of the virus. So in terms of churches, synagogues, mosques, gatherings, where it's very, very clear that mask, mosques, that mos mosques are now starting to be less adhered to indoors, that for you is not ideal to me that's a grave mistake indoors to take off the masks in any communal right. gathering medically okay. and legally okay i got it uh, the the other aspect is and i think we might have mentioned that what concerns me is if they don't change the regulations 
and we are meant to wear masks indoors and outdoors and nobody adheres to it. What's going to happen when there's another wave and they want to say to people, please start wearing masks. They can't say it because we've already yeah. meant to be wearing masks. You I mean, I, you I've got mask fatigue. I've got mask apathy. Yeah. We're all tired of it. And you've got to sometimes sort of go with the environment you're in and you've got to go with the changing habits and the changing evolution and work with it, not just keep old stoic rules. It's the same thing as saying, should we be having lockdown? No, no, we shouldn't be having lockdown. Lockdown yeah. was so two years ago when it was needed yeah. at that time. But going with the flow, lockdown is not a necessity now. So too do I not think that masks outside should be a necessity medically. What about hand sanitizer? Is that still a thing? So it's important to keep your hands clean. It does does help. It's not the it's not a hundred percent the only issue. The problem is that if people aren't wearing masks and aren't doing it properly, they're going to be touching their face. They're going to be touching their mouth. They're going to be coughing with that. So I think in our environment, hand sanitizer is still necessary. All right. Do you think? I mean, you've mentioned another wave. Do you think, with reasonable confidence, there'll be another wave? Yeah, I do. I, I think closer to winter, sort of. April, May, there will be an uptick and another wave. And, Whereas and that, if we can uh, get more people vaccinated and we can get people more aware, hopefully, and please God, it won't be as virulent and, and not as contagious and not cause so many admissions to hospital. Right. And this wave, this wave hasn't seen a lot of admissions. Is that right? Oh, it's normally a question I ask you at the beginning. I didn't ask you that. Yeah. What does the no, not, not, not in our current uh, situation in South Africa. Right. Okay. But but why would they be seeing so many more serious cases overseas, for example? So I think you, people don't understand the fact that a large majority of people overseas are unvaccinated um. and they're still dealing with huge repercussions of Delta still. There's a lot of Delta oh, variants wow. overseas okay. that is still causing trouble. And yes, there is Omicron as well, but mm. uh, people don't wear masks. People don't follow any of the regulations and these are the ramifications of it. And of course, it's winter. So people are indoors and people are coughing on each other, splattering on each other. It's going to spread much quicker. Right. A few people are asking. Sorry, this, 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 this pandemic at the moment is a pandemic of the unvaccinated by any means. Okay. And I think it's important to keep saying that because, yeah. you know, this feeling, there's, there's this almost this misnomer that, oh, it's, it's just Omicron. It's not serious. It can be serious if you're not vaccinated. Let me quantify that. When I say it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, you still can get sick if you're vaccinated, but it's the mm. unvaccinated that are landing up in hospital and dying, not the vaccinated. Okay, that's important. A few people are asking in terms of the, the mixing of vaccines, should, if they do for their second Johnson, for example, should they wait rather to see if they can, you know, a week or two or three to see if they can get the Pfizer? I can't advise it because we don't know how long they're going to take to actually give the go-ahead. They could wake up tomorrow and say, well, Sarpa is giving the go-ahead, or they can only take four to six weeks mm -hmm. and give the go-ahead. So if you're due for it, rather just get it done and rather get yourself protected. All right. And I'm um, just looking at uh, Maureen wants to know, please can you ask Dr. Marbeck to give an opinion about socializing with family members who have had COVID during the second or third wave, but refuse to have vaccinations? Oh, you can't choose your family, You can't choose your family. Blood is thicker than water. You know mm. what they say. So 
Uh, I really, I don't even think that deserves an answer. I wouldn't even let them in my house. Come on, Shane, the woman's asked a question. Give her an answer. She's got answers. No, it doesn't decrease anything. You've got to keep their masks on. You've got to keep social distancing. You've got to keep all the rules in because the antibodies wane, the protection wanes, and the natural immunity won't last as long as natural immunity plus a vaccine. Right. Is there good news? There must be good news. There's good news. There's great news. People are socializing. We're on low levels of restrictions. Functions are happening. Shabbatons are happening for the kids. And the boys are playing today. Come on, you Reds. Let's give it some horns. And to quote, there's a difference between optimism and hope. Optimism tries to deny what's happening. Hope is dealing with bad news, but still trying to find that ray of light. Wishing you all a good week. Let's be hopeful and let's get through this quicker than we have to. All right. Absolutely awesome. Thank you, Dr. Anton Myberg. I still remain an optimist with hope. I'm Howard Feldman. This is your Sunday Synthesis Podcast. Please uh, don't forget to, to subscribe below. Keep the questions coming. And we, of course, will chat to you in two weeks, unless there's something important, in which case we'll chat to you next week. But hopefully we'll see you in two weeks' time. Have a fantastic week and God bless.